You're listening to the Prince College Podcast, a ministry of Prince Avenue Baptist Church, where our goal is to lead you to trust and follow Jesus. Chandler Watson here with Mr. Daniel Rowland. How's it going? Miss Emma Story. Hey, hey. And we are joined today by a very special guest, our missions pastor here at Prince Avenue Baptist Church, Mr. Sky Pratt. Hey, guys. Sky has been in ministry. Sky, how long have you been in ministry? I have been in vocational ministry now for 34 years. 34 years. How long have you been at Prince? I've been at Prince for 21. And how long have you been in the current role? We're in the current role of missions pastor for three years. Three years. And before that, you were the college pastor, yeah, right? Yeah, I came, I came in 2001 to be the college pastor and served in that role for a little over 17 years. And as Sky mentioned, he is our missions pastor at Prince. So Sky oversees, actually, you, you probably know more about what you do than I do. Why don't you tell us a, a little, little bit, bit about, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, Sky? Yeah, so my role here at Prince um, really is to help mobilize and get people engaged in the mission of God. So my primary task is to uh, equip people and to mobilize people to be involved in missions on a local level through evangelism and through our local partnerships that we have here at Prince, but also to engage uh, our church members in global missions as well as we partner with um, people and ministries all over the world to get the gospel to the least reached and to the unreached. Um, we, we seek to get people engaged in that process of discovering their gifts and their call to be a part of God's mission in the world. And we are, have church planners, missionaries. We send mission teams to places like Manchester, England, uh, Peru, Japan. Um, we just got back from Nepal. Uh, we're able to trek up and over, um, you know, we call them mountains, but the Nepali call them hills. Uh, after after two weeks, I think I think we still probably consider the mountains, but um, we went through some tough terrain, experienced leeches, uh, some more than others, right, Sky? We did indeed, and it was uh, <laughs> absolutely one of the most amazing trips I think I've ever been a part of. You know, you talk about our global mission involvement, different places that we're involved. One of the neat things for me personally, having been at Prince for 20 years, is that we have missionaries literally scattered around the world that have come through the ministries of Prince Avenue Baptist Church. So take Nepal, for example. Uh, we have a couple there, and um, the wife uh, came through Prince's College Ministry about 10 years ago, uh, went on some short-term trips with me, was in a leadership role uh, in Prince's College Ministry, and now she and her family are serving in Nepal, and we get to partner with them. So I just love the fact that we partner with those that we send. That's so mm. cool. That's awesome. Mm. A good way to say that, Sky, is that Prince Avenue's mission, um, the sun never sets on Prince Avenue's mission. Isn't that, isn't that true? Yeah, no, that's, that's been a saying that we, we've um, said for a number of years is that the sun never sets on the ministries of Prince Avenue Baptist Church. Amen. Just because of the sheer fact that we have people serving around the world that have been um, sent from Prince. And so I love that. And that's what fuels me and drives me to see even more people sent in the future. And namely, I think college students are um, a big part of that, that base of 
those that we are sending and those that, will, mm-hmm. those that we will send in the future. And uh, in Nepal, we saw many peaks and valleys and peaks mm-hmm. and valleys. Um, but today, we're not here to talk to, about, talk to you about Nepal. We might get into some missions talk, but we are here to talk about probably the highest peak hey, hey, hey. <laughs> in all of Scripture, union with Christ. Um, and Sky is probably one of the men uh, in my life who have been most influential in showing me what it's like to live as a man under the doctrine of union with Christ, what it looks like to live as someone who is in Christ. And we'll get into some of the terminology in a minute, but um, what it looks like to live uh, as someone who has been, um, who has died with Christ and who is raised again um, anew with Christ. Um, and so I'm so pumped about this. But Sky, with uh, union with Christ. What what does that mean? Like, uh, I probably didn't hear that terminology until like the past two years. Uh, w- what does it mean um, for us as believers to be u- in union with Christ? Help us understand that a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's that's a great question, um, and it really is kind of the pinnacle of the Christian life, in my opinion, because uh, for a number of years I lived under this idea that the Christian life primarily dependent depended upon me and my performance for Christ mm. and that I, I felt really on, on a regular basis like um, my acceptance before God was largely dependent upon how well I was doing in my performance for him so you know if I were consistent in my time alone with God if I were consistent walking in purity if I were consistently sharing my faith then I felt more of God's acceptance and 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 felt more of um uh, of 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 his love for me but when I wasn't performing well I would feel distant from God and I would feel like uh he was displeased with me and therefore I I just lived with a performance-based approach to to my faith and so the more I begin to understand that union with Christ really is about my identity in Christ. It is who defines me and what defines me as a Christian. So this idea of union with Christ really is about what my identity is based upon and how I'm defined as a person. Yeah, I think um, this is a topic that not a lot of us are very well versed in. Um, And like, you know, when you say union with Christ, um, like how are we actually unified with him? Like what does that mean for the believer? Yeah. So Second Corinthians 520, 5.21 uh, gives us this, this picture of what union in Christ is. Um, Paul tells us in, in, in that particular verse that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in essence, when we speak of union with Christ, what we're talking about is that it's our salvation, that we were once separated from God in our sin, right? Separated from the righteousness of God, who is ultimately Jesus Christ. But because of what Christ did on the cross, meaning his sacrificial death uh, in our place, in our subsequent trusting in him for salvation Christ then absorbs our sin and in exchange 
provides us the righteousness that God demands. So if you think about it this way, I gave God through Christ my sin, and God gave me through Christ his righteousness. So God demanded a payment for sin, right, which is death. Jesus provided that payment by dying in my place. But God also demands perfect righteousness, righteousness that I in myself do not possess, but Christ does. So in believing in Christ, Christ takes my sin that must be paid for by death and at the same time provides me the very righteousness that God demands. And so by believing in him, I'm united with Christ and I receive all the benefits and blessings that belong to Jesus. And as a result, I get forgiveness of sin, I get righteousness of God, I get perfect peace with God. And so all of the rights and privileges that belong to Jesus now belong to me because of my union with Christ. And I want to sit there for a second. Um, the One of the key, t- there's several, several texts. Uh, you mentioned Second Corinthians. You could turn to John, the upper room uh, narrative. You could turn to Colossians uh, 3, I think it is. Um, Rome, pretty much all of Romans. It underlies uh, Jesus's um, relationship with his people, and it really affects the Apostle Paul. And I think, um, and I've I've kind of done some studying on this. And I think I would place it in Paul's conversion story, because in Acts nine, when Paul is confronted, uh, when Saul is confronted with Jesus, and Jesus says, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" When Saul's persecuting thousands of Christians and Stephen, um, he's at the martyrdom with Stephen. Uh, Jesus says, why are you persecuting who? Me. Mm-hmm. He identifies himself with his people at the very beginning of um, Saul's conversion. And so this is deeply, like deeply resonates with, with Paul. And I want to read um, just a few verses out of Ephesians. And the language here of, uh, of union is in him, in Christ. So pay attention I'm going to kind of emphasize a few of the words, but pay attention to to some of this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It's so easily, um, it's so easy to read over to skip right over that. And I think that the church, Big C, has has missed a lot of this in recent past because I don't know about you you guys, I didn't hear about this until I was in college. And it's, it's we're, Sky, why do you think that is? Why why do you think that the, the church is kind of doesn't preach this as much? I think uh, in a lot of churches, and I don't want to say that about Prince Avenue necessarily, but I think there is a tendency to preach moralism because it's easier for people to grasp uh, 
what they ought to do or what they ought to be doing rather than who they are. I think there's a fundamental fear among a lot of preachers and leaders in the church to say that if we preach too much about the grace of God, if we preach too much about God's um, acceptance of you through Christ, that that's going to lead people to kind of be loose morally and uh, maybe a little bit too free with their convictions, when I would argue that the opposite is true. I think that the more people understand their union with Christ and they understand that they are accepted completely and totally on the basis of Christ's finished work, that that actually produces a greater degree of holiness, a greater degree of obedience to God. And so I think we just don't hear a lot about it because preachers are afraid to preach grace because it might cause people to live with license. Um, I think another reason we don't hear a lot of it is because a ton of people just don't understand it. Yeah. You know, they've been, they've been taught their whole lives uh, a moralistic approach to Christianity, the do's and don'ts of the faith that even preachers don't grasp it and live in it. So they're not going to teach something that they don't personally understand. And you, you kind of mentioned this, but you kind of went through a revolution of this in your own life of several years ago, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was really, uh, I would say personally, I was very legalistic, moralistic, maybe a better word. And, and I think my motivation for being moralistic, when I say moralistic, like, you know, I know I'm not going to listen to secular music. I'm not going to watch R-rated movies, you know, all these kinds of things that in and of themselves aren't necessarily wrong or bad things. We need to have convictions. But I was building my identity around those convictions. I was building my identity again on how well I was performing for God. And the better I performed for him, the more acceptance that I felt. The worse I was performing, the less acceptance I felt. And so God just began to set me on this journey. I was uh, listening to a sermon series um, over the book of Colossians. It was like 24 sermons on that book. And the preacher just really kept hammering home this idea of um, what it means to be accepted on the basis of Christ's finished work. And it was just like the light bulb started going on. It, it's like God just began to give me an understanding of my union with Christ and all of the implications of what that means. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But it was like the scales literally fell off my eyes. And even though I'd been a believer for a number of years, I was beginning to taste of the freedom that comes from knowing that you're accepted on the basis of what Christ has done, not on the basis of what you do. And that was liberating for me. It, it was almost like being born again, again. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and I still have to fight for that freedom yeah. because there's a tendency even till up to this day for me to slip back into performance-based Christianity rather than um, Christ-based Christianity. Yeah. Um, what you said about like 
being a moralistic Christian, I think is something that I really resonate with. Like I wanted to be the good kid my whole life. And I thought that that was how I earned my salvation come in college. I've learned that that's not true. But, um, one of the books that I read a couple of years ago was called the whole Christ written by, um, Sinclair Ferguson. And he says, that's the essence of legalism is rooted, not merely in our own views of law as such, but in a distorted view of God as the giver of his law. And so knowing that in the old Testament, we talked with Adam last week about the gospel and how it is one continued like the bible is one continuous story of um and the pinnacle is christ so we, we talked about this union with christ christ kind of being the pinnacle of our christian faith so if we know that the law was given in the old testament is this union with christ only talked about in the new testament or is it woven throughout the entirety of the bible no, it's absolutely woven through scripture emma in fact uh, one of the things that I was reminded about today when I was looking over this is mm -hmm. just how um, even God's acceptance of Abraham is rooted in Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and so this idea that God has provided for us what we need through Christ. Listen, listen to Romans chapter four, verses one and following. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so this idea of counting, this crediting to him as righteous. So Abraham believed God, he trusted God, that God would fulfill his promise by bringing the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Mm. And that belief in God, that belief in Christ, even though Christ had not yet appeared in the flesh, um, was credited to Abraham's account. And so in essence, Abraham was united by faith to Christ, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. this isn't just a New Testament reality. Now, the fullness of it is realized in the New Testament. And mm -hmm. as Chandler said just a moment ago, the Apostle Paul clearly got it because even that expression in him is found over a hundred times in Paul's letters. Yes, like Paul yes. clearly understood that that his acceptance before God was not anything that he brought to the table, mm -hmm. that he wasn't boasting in his flesh. In fact, mm -hmm. you, you find that very clearly laid out in Philippians chapter three, right? Like mm -hmm. he had all these religious credentials to his in, in his past, but he's like, all those things are rubbish. They're they're a pile of dung. You know, because that's not what gave him identity. Mm. What gave him identity was being united with Christ. Mm. Yeah, and um, I mean, I love what you said about like whenever this kind of this truth of, of the doctrine of union with Christ was kind of revealed to your heart, it almost felt like you were born again again, you know, and uh, I think I would say the same thing for me. Like it really does change how we view the gospel and how we commune with Christ. Right, and it's obviously so significant, um, but why do you think specifically it is so significant? And how does it shape our lives, you know, following Christ after we begin to understand the union with Christ compared to like a lot of Christians, you know, follow Christ and they know Christ and they're saved, yet they don't understand this truth. So what's the significance of understanding this this doctrine when it comes to following Christ? That, that's a great question, Daniel. And I, and I think it's rooted in the word acceptance. Right. Like if I if I feel like my acceptance with someone is in jeopardy, I don't feel secure with them. Mm. Right. I mean, think about 
a relationship mm-hmm. with a parent, a friend, whomever in your life, if you don't feel accepted by them on some level, you don't feel secure with them. Mm-hmm. But if you do feel acceptance from them, there's such a security that comes as a result of that, right? Yeah. And so if a person's view of God is that he's really just kind of fundamentally displeased with you unless you're doing well, then you're not secure in your relationship with him. But if you realize that your security with God is not dependent upon your performance for him, but on the basis of Christ being in you, as Paul says, right? Mm. Then you feel the freedom to approach him. You feel the freedom to come before him and, and be transparent and be honest and talk about your sin and confess it and talk about your weakness and struggle, knowing that he's accepting you, mm. not on the basis of you and your performance, but on the basis of Christ. And so it just provides so much security. And I just find that when, a, when I'm secure, when a person is secure, they're free. They're free to enjoy. Yeah. They're in free. They're free to enjoy the relationship that God's given them. For sure. For and, sure. And I would say not just uh, two, two things. Not just uh, you've already kind of mentioned this, but not just acceptance, but your complete identity has changed. Like who you are. Galatians two twenty. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. Chandler is dead. Christ is is in me. And so you, you I think a, a good way to put it is everything that is Christ, that is, that is God's in Christ is now mine and everything that once was mine, Christ has taken on himself so that I could get what was his. That's, that's the message of Ephesians one. Like we share in Christ's death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, meaning we are now uh, seen as accepted by the father in his heavenly session. We are seated with him, raised and seated with him. Like all of that is ours. And the challenge is to believe that yeah, and to appropriate that. Yeah. Okay, so what you just said really comes directly from Romans chapter 6 and verse 5. Listen to this. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So the question I have in sanctification is, do I believe that I've been united yeah. in Christ? Do, do I believe that I'm secure in him? I heard a preacher one time talk about that word united and illustrate it this way. And this is really helpful to me. So let's say you're going to go bake cookies, Emma. We know you love to bake. Love you know, baking. you do that so well. <laughs> and you get all your ingredients mm-hmm. together, right? You've got the sugar, you've got the baking powder, you've got the flour. I don't know what else goes in there. Eggs, but, butter, good stuff. Right, all the yeah. stuff, right? And let's say you've got all that laid out on the counter, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, those things are together in proximity to one another, but they're not cookies yet, right? right? So for those things to become cookies, you put it all in the bowl, you mix it up, and then you put it in the oven, right? Now, once those ingredients have been united together and then put in the oven, there's no way you could pull those ingredients back out, right? You couldn't take right. the cookies out of the oven and say, okay, now I'm going to separate the sugar back out and the flour back out and the bacon back out. It's impossible. Right. Yeah. Why? Because those things have been now united into something completely different than that's what really they good. were before. Yeah. And I think that's the way we need to understand it is that when I trust Christ and I believe in Christ and put my faith in Christ, mm-hmm. something changes at a core level right is it's not just 
I'm in proximity to God now, closer to him than I was before. No, I'm united with him. In essence, I've been baked in with him. Mm -hmm. And that's why what God has done through that union with Christ can never be undone. That's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons I believe in the security of the believer, because it can't be undone. Just like you can't undo the cookie once it's baked, right? right? You can't undo union with Christ once Mm -hmm. that has been accomplished by God through Christ. It can't be undone. So talk about security. That is unbelievable. Can Can I ask a little bit of a Debbie Downer question? Absolutely. Okay. What happens when we fail? Because we we are humans and we have been transformed by Christ. And if you're a believer, you have the identity of Christ. And so um, when when you die and you're standing before God on judgment day, he sees Christ in you. On earth, what happens when we fail? Well, we certainly feel the guilt of that as we mm-hmm. should, right? So I, I, I don't ever want to give across this idea that um, union with Christ means that Oh, we never sin again. No, we still sin, but that sin does not affect our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important distinction to make, right? That, Union and communion. Yes. Like it does not affect my relationship with Christ. It does affect my fellowship with Christ. Mm-hmm. To use that language, you know, because that's good preacher language. There, mm-hmm. Chandler, there you go. Is that sin no longer affects my union with Christ because that's secure, but it does affect my communion with Christ. Like mm-hmm. my enjoyment of the relationship is hindered by my mm-hmm. sin, right? But the relationship isn't. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's really freeing again, because that, because that relationship is secure, it gives me the freedom then to come to God and to confess my sin, knowing that he's already accepted me. You know, I'm not confessing my sin so that he will accept me. I'm confessing my sin because he's already Mm. accepted me. So you see how security drives me to him versus away from him. That's so comforting because I think about so many people who have been told otherwise by something other than what the word says, Mm -hmm. you know. And so like people who come to church and um, they like sin and it's a very public sin and like that that breaks my heart that there are so many people that have stepped away from the church probably because of them not understanding that sin if you are a believer affects your union with christ but not or affects your communion with christ but not your union that is such a cool like man and something so that has helped me even recently is thinking about pastor josh has brought this up several times i think it was i think he even brought up in a sermon but the uh matthew 3 matthew 3 the baptism of of jesus when the father looks down on the son and says this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased now that we are in him that same language is said over us that's why paul loves to talk about the sonship and adoption i mean ephesians 1 he predestined us for adoption to himself to to himself like he loves it because it's union language adoption is union language um and it's so helpful absolutely and and i think it's hard for us to transfer god's love affirmation affection that he has for jesus to ourselves right oh yeah because we look at jesus we think well of course jesus never sinned he was perfect right but me i think about my sin i think about my brokenness God's not pleased with me the way that he is Jesus, but because of my union with Christ, yes, the the way God views Jesus, his son, with all of the affirmation, with all the all of the affection, 
um, with all of the pleasure, God looks at me the same way. <laughs> there's a friend of mine who uh, is a missionary in Southeast Asia, and I remember him saying this one time and, and thinking it's kind of funny, but it's true. He said, if there's a refrigerator in heaven, God's got your picture on it, right? Because he just, <laughs> he loves you. Like he really, really, like mm. God loves you. He's pleased yep. with you. And it's not because of anything you're bringing to the table. It's because you've been united with Christ. And so when he looks at you, he sees his son. And that's that's really, really true. Yeah, and I think that's so key to understand and to really believe in your heart, like the security that is found in Christ there. And I think when we begin to understand that, it produces this boldness within us to go and to share with others. And, I mean, you talked about Paul and how he really got this. I mean, he... He uses a, that kind of union language um, the most out of, out of the authors of the Bible. And and we also see that, you know, one of the things I love about Paul the most is, is his boldness and how he lives on mission just always. You know, wherever he went, he went there, you know, to further the kingdom of Christ and to pursue others for the kingdom of Christ. So how does understanding the union that we have with Christ then influence our missional heart for others? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's that's a great question. I actually just today finished uh, reading through the book of Acts, and I'm struck by the same thing that you've been struck by is the boldness and confidence of um, especially the Apostle Paul in just facing the hardships, the persecution, um, the difficulties that he faced at every turn, yet he just continued to fearlessly and boldly declare the gospel. And I, I think that is rooted in our union with Christ because when you know that you are secure in your relationship with Christ, you know ultimately that this earth is not your home. Like your, mm. your, your citizenship is in heaven. And so you give your life to make Christ known to others the way that you've had the joy of knowing him yourself. And... Um, in fact, Paul says in Acts 20, 24, that I count my life of no value to me, mm. but I labor to make Christ known, right? And so there's this idea of Paul just not considering his own life, but considering Christ as more valuable and more important than anything else uh, in his life. And so I think that the more I understand that I am Christ's, that I belong to him, the more confident and bold I'm going to be because I realize that that's what ultimately matters. If I'm finding myself um, more concerned about what people think about me, you know, I'm living more with the fear of man, then that's a, that's a pretty sure sign that I'm not trusting in my union with Christ, but I'm really trusting in myself because I'm more concerned about my reputation. I'm more concerned about what other people think about me more so than I am Christ. And so the more I anchor my heart in Christ and my union with him, the more bold and fearless I'm going to be to declare him to my neighbors, you know, to my coworkers, to classmates, and ultimately to the nations. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so you talked about how this is impacting everything about you and the way you act and the way you live because Christ is your identity when you're unified with Christ. So 
when when you're thinking about your spiritual walk with the Lord, how does this doctrine shape the way that you pray and that you spend time with God if you are unified with Christ? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a good question because I see my my prayer life, my devotional life as an opportunity to enjoy the relationship that he's provided for me. Mm. Um, you know, another way to understand union, I think, and, and I know college students aren't going to fully understand this, but they will appreciate it nonetheless, is through marriage, right? Like um, those that are married, I mean, Daniel, you're married now, but college students want to be married because there's something unique about that relationship between a husband and wife, right? There, there is a union between a man and a woman that takes place that puts you in a relationship with someone that is different than any other relationship on planet earth, right? Mm. Like the husband wife relationship is different than a friendship. It's different than a parent child relationship. It's different than a coworker relationship. It's different than any other relationship because of that unique union that God has established between a husband and a wife and people that are married in a healthy marriage love that, right? They love the communion. They love the relationship that that provides. Like my wife, Karen is truly my best friend, right? Because of the union that we have, we enjoy the fruits of that union on a daily basis. Like we are really best friends. We love each other. We know everything about one another. And to use that as an illustration of my relationship with God, the more I understand my union in Christ, the more I'm going to, um, enjoy my relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So prayer then becomes an expression of relationship, not a duty or an obligation, Mm -hmm. right? Because when I'm not living in a right understanding of my union with Christ, then all of the spiritual disciplines just become this obligation, this this duty. But the more I'm understanding my union with Christ, the more I'm enjoying him as a delight and I'm enjoying the disciplines as a means by which to enjoy him, not just Mm -hmm. serve him. Yeah, I think it's funny you say that um, because it was around the time that me and Belle got married where this doctrine really, you know, my eyes started to really become open to um, this unity that we have with Christ and being unified with Christ. And it's been, I mean, for me, like it's one, I think it's strengthened our marriage thus far. I mean, we've only been married for a short time, but understanding that acceptance in Christ really forms your acceptance of one another as well. Um and then I'd also say that understanding the unity, the unity that we have with Christ, it allows us to come to in prayer with confidence and with honesty because um, we have nothing to prove. I mean, we're already fully accepted. We already have that security that we need. Um, I was reminded of in Hebrews 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace mm-hmm. that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And like coming to Jesus with in this just this intimate way, like it's not something that we have to be fearful of or hesitant of, but we can just come with just such assurance and such confidence that He accepts us already. You know that we're already so um, deeply loved, and and our relationship is so secure in Him. There's nothing that we have to lose. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that we have to fear. But we can just come in this just really intimate way with such confidence. Um, and I think for me personally, like that's been such a sweet um, addition to my relationship with Christ since understanding more deeply the union of Christ. It, it, I'm glad you used that verse out of Hebrews, Daniel, because it, it affects everything, right? I mean, 
that's what gives me confidence in prayer is my union with Christ. That's what gives me boldness to share my faith mm-hmm. is union with Christ. That w- that's what gives me the ability to come and confess my sin before God because I'm in Christ and I know that he's not going to reject me. So really this truth of being united with Christ impacts every part of my life mm-hmm. and it, it, it affects my worship even thinking about like I can freely worship God because I'm accepted by him I'm not I'm not trying to earn approval I'm not trying to earn acceptance I already have it mm-hmm. and the hardest part of all of this is believing it I mean that's that's yeah. the hard part right because the enemy our own flesh wants us to constantly doubt that we have that security in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I have to preach this truth to myself on a regular basis and remind myself that I don't have to earn anything. I don't have to prove anything. Mm-hmm. I am accepted in Christ and I need to live in that freedom that he's already provided for me. Um, and that's that's where real freedom's found. Yeah. I think it's so cool. It reminded me of Psalm 139 when it um, is talking about how um, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So like the fact of, okay, nothing we have done, as we've already said, gets us that security and it is only through Christ. Um, and when we when we can cling on to that and we can know that, yes, we have been saved by grace through faith, um, knowing that we are now unified with Christ, that's when freedom comes. So Sky, this has been so joyful. Wouldn't you say, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, we could go on for so long talking about this. I mean, this is a lifetime study of deepening your knowledge and faith. But um, it's been a joyful time to get to dive into just the, the tip of the iceberg of our union with Christ. And I, I hope and pray that you guys, you know, take time to consider if you've really, you know, dove into this topic and how it affects your faith as well. Um and just continue to, to deepen your understanding of, of what it looks like to walk and, and to follow Jesus um, in everyday life and how this how this really is such a sweet and, and blissful time that we get to do that. And and if you have any more questions or you want to talk about this more, Sky, I'm putting you on the spot, but with wisdom as old as I am, where you've been at Prince 21 years, that's how old I am. Does that make you feel wise? <laughs> Makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not old, but would you college students can come and talk to you, right? I would love for college students to come talk to me. That's one of the, my joys is working with college students. So It's one of the best parts about Prince College is that we're connected to a local church. Amen. Amen. So, Sky, thank you for coming and spending time talking with us about the Union of Christ. And we love you. And we love being your Prince College podcast. <laughs>